Could you turn your Bibles, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 27? Deuteronomy chapter 27, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 8. So, Deuteronomy 27, and commencing with verse 1. Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you this day. And it shall be on the day when ye shall pass over Jordan unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, that thou shalt set, up, set thee up great stones and plaster them with plaster. And thou shalt write upon them all the words of this law when thou art passed over, that thou mayest go in unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, a land that floweth with milk and honey, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee. Therefore it shall be, when ye be gone over Jordan, that ye shall set up these stones, which I command you this day, <coughs> in Mount Ebal, and thou shalt plaster them with plaster. And there shalt thou build an altar unto the Lord thy God, an altar of stones. Thou shalt not lift any iron tool upon them. Thou shalt build the altar of the Lord thy God of whole stones, and thou shalt offer burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord thy God. And thou shalt offer peace offerings, and thou shalt eat there and rejoice before the Lord thy God. And thou shalt write upon the stones all the words of this law very plainly. <clears throat> and we'll ask the Lord to bless his word. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the wonderful ministry that we've already received, Lord, um, in song. Uh, and Lord, in the opportunity we've had to meet around your uh, throne. And we thank you now, Lord, that we're able to open the Bible together. I pray that, Father, whatever our need might be, that uh, you might have a, a message to suit our soul. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I've been conducting a mini-series <coughs> from Deuteronomy on the subject of Moses the prophet. We all are aware of Moses the lawgiver. But uh, we've been seeing uh, already in the book of Deuteronomy that he was also a great prophet. Last time we learned of a prophecy Moses made in Deuteronomy chapter 4, and it was about the tribulation in the latter days, the tribulation in the last days. That was in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Well, tonight I want, us to ta- I want to take you to the end of, of uh, Deuteronomy, and I, will look, I want to look at further prophecies given to Moses here at the end of the book. And tonight uh, they all revolve around uh, what we read here of the blessings and the cursings. Now the first thing that uh, I want to draw your attention to is in the verses I've just read in verses 1 to 8. Here we read about the stones and the altar of Mount Ebal. The stones and the altar of Mount Ebal. Now we've just read in uh, verses 1 to 8 how near the end of his life uh, and I can imagine uh, there is Moses, uh, maybe he's uh, raised up a little bit there uh, before the people, and certainly before the elders, and, and the River Jordan is there on the side, uh, ready for his people to go across into the land of Canaan. Here, at the end of his life, with the Jordan in view, 
Moses gathered the Israelites together to give them a special command. Now he's given them lots of very, very specific commands right through the book of Deuteronomy and then in Exodus and other places. But he, now it's kind of like at the end. Uh, and uh, he had a very special command for when the people first entered in to Canaan. When they, when they went across that Jordan and they first got into the land, they were to set up some great stones. And I would suggest that there would be two. Perhaps there were more. Uh, they were to set up uh, some great stones and they were to plaster them. Uh, and so I suppose that made it, um, them, made it possible for them to be written on. And so they were to set up these two great stones and they were to plaster these great stones and they were to write on them all the words of what he says in verse 3 is this law. This law. And thou shalt write upon them all the words of this law. Now, by this law, <clears throat> I think he meant the law of the blessings and the cursings that he was about to deliver. If he, well, if they were going to write all of the laws that he'd been given, I think they'd almost need the whole of the mountain. Uh, so I think this is basically the blessings and the cursings that were to be written on these stones, these plastered stones. Once they found these stones and once they had plastered them and written on them this law, they were then to take these stones to, and set them up in Mount Ebal. Mount Ebal was it's not a, sort of a very tall mountain, but it, it's a mountain in, in uh, Israel today. They were to find this Mount Ebal uh, in the land of Canaan and they were to set up these stones there in Mount Ebal. Now, when they'd done that, they were then to make an altar from uncut stones, perhaps uh, to sanctify uh, the place in which these stones were to be set up and to sanctify this particular area where they were going to meet. And on that altar of uncut stones, they were to make burnt offerings and peace offerings. Now, Mount Ebor was across from Mount Gerizim. Um, <clears throat> and I've seen the pictures on, uh, on Google. So, you know, I haven't been there. Perhaps somebody's been there. Anybody been to Mount Ebal in you know, Chorizon? Hmm. Well, I could be telling you anything, couldn't I? But as far as I understand, Mount Ebal is here and faces Mount Chorizon, and there's a, a sort of a valley in between them. And, and apparently the space between these two mountains, still today, if they form a natural, it forms a natural amphitheatre. Now, when I lived up in, uh, in Boambi East, we lived up on a bit of a hill and all these big houses written about, uh, uh, built all around about. And uh, when, th when there was someone playing music loudly at night, uh, it was like an amphitheatre where we where we could hear everything uh, because we were in kind of that sort of a, a, a confined space. And so I think this was a, a, a natural amphitheatre for the Lord to speak to all of his people. And that's perhaps why... This particular, these particular mountains were chosen. Because you see, the message that was to be written on the great stones <coughs> placed on Mount Ebal, the message that would be written was also to be preached to the people. Now, what were to be written and what was to be preached? Well, that's in verses 9 to 14, in what I've called the blessings and the cursings. And let me read these verses. Verse 9. After having told them, about setting up the, 
stones and plastering them and writing God's word in them, Moses and the priests and the Levites spake unto all Israel, saying, Take heed and hearken and listen, O Israel. This day thou art become the people of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt therefore obey the voice of the Lord thy God and do his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day. And Moses charged the people the same day, saying, <clears throat> These shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people when ye come uh, over Jordan, Simeon and Levi, Judah and Issachar and Joseph and Benjamin. And these shall stand up upon Mount Ebal to curse Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan and Naphtali. And the Levites shall speak and say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed. That's where it will begin. Now, I don't, I don't know if you noticed in verse 9, it's a very interesting <coughs> statement that Moses made. Moses said, On this day, this day thou art become the people of the Lord thy God. Uh, now, by this, I assumed that he meant they were, were now, because they were on the verge of going across the Jordan, going into the land, they were now to become an independent, sovereign nation. Remember, Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob, they were just pilgrims and strangers. And even when they got to uh, Egypt, they were strangers in that land. And then when they got out of Egypt, they wandered through the wilderness. They actually never actually been a sovereign nation. And now they would become this independent, sovereign nation. They would have a land and they would have status as a nation. And Moses wanted them to remember that they would still be the people of the Lord their God. Just by becoming a nation and having your own land and your own boundaries didn't mean that you were not still God's people. You wanted to remind them of that fact. Now, when you go through, when you know, sorry, what God had to go through, and we, we wandered with these people through the wilderness for many, many Sunday nights, when you know what God went through to get the Israelites to this point, and then God still says, I want you to know that you, from this day, you are my people, the people of God. We, when you know what God went through to get them there, it shows once again how merciful and how gracious our God is. Uh, he's not just a God of second chances. He's a God who keeps on giving grace and mercy. Now, in verse 12, Moses gave them then further instructions for when they visited Ebal, Mount Ebal. They were not only to set up the great stones and the altar, but six of the tribes were to stand on Mount Gerizim and the other six were to stand on Mount Ebal. And I get the... the the idea that they were basically facing each other with the valley in between. And when they were all there on these mountains, they were facing each other, the Levites were then to speak to them. And it says they were to say to all the men of Israel with a loud voice. Now they would say, I, I, I would presume they would have, were to say, the Levites, what was on the great stones. They would see those great stones, therefore, placed on Mount Ebal, they would be able to see them, perhaps be able to read them. And then uh, as they stood there facing each other in that great amphitheatre, the Levites were to, I, I presume, speak what was written on those great stones. And so they had the written word of God and they had the spoken word of God. And aren't we blessed to have the same? 
We have the written word of God and we have the spoken word of God and we do need both. But this also reminds us that, that, that they could never know, never say, these Israelites could never say that they didn't know what God wanted. You know, we got across the Jordan and uh, we're on our own. God didn't tell us what to do. They would never be able to say that because they could come back to those stones and they could remember what was said there at that place. They knew exactly what God wanted. And so, with the 12 tribes standing on the two mountains facing each other, the Levites, now I don't know how they did it, there's a lot of people there. The Levites, either in unison or separately, were to virtually shout out. They were to speak these things with a loud voice. <coughs> they were to speak, they were to shout out the blessings and the cursings. Now the blessings were to be shouted from Mount Gerizim and the curses were to be shouted out from Mount Ebal. And the curses were the ones that were to be shouted out first. Now, I counted these, and if you can count more, that's fine. <clears throat> you just correct me later. But I counted 16 curses. 16 curses that will come on the Israelites if they didn't obey God's word in the new land as the new people of God. 16. The Levites were to shout out each curse and then the people were to affirm that they agreed with that curse by saying, Amen, or if you're an American, Amen. Uh, I don't know how else to say it. And so the, each one would curse would be shouted out and the people would say, Amen. Now the first curse isn't a surprise. You could probably work out what God would curse the most. That's right there in the Ten Commandments. Uh, have a look, verse 15, the first curse. Cursed be the man that maketh any graven image or molten image an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsman, and put it in a secret place. That's the first curse. It's basically about idolatry. God's curse will come upon you if you fall into idolatry. And so the Levites shouted out that first curse, and we read, and all the people, well, they haven't done it yet, this is what they were to do when they got there. And all the people were to answer and say, Amen. So they could, nobody could say that God had never told them. Uh, maybe they hadn't actually been at Mount Sinai. They hadn't heard the voice of the Lord. They hadn't heard the Ten Commandments like their uh, fathers and the grandfathers had. But now they could know they were there and they could have heard the curse upon idolatry and they could all agree to it by saying Amen. And so that was the first curse. <clears throat> the curses continued here. They were to con and uh, right through the, to the end of chapter 27. And if you'd like to go over to chapter, because they go into chapter 28, all the curses that were to be uh, put before the people uh, when they got to Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. Have a look in chapter 28 and verse 15 and 16. But it shall come to pass, if thou would not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe all, to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Now also included with this list of curses were the terrible consequences for disobedience. If you disobey what this curse is about, if you disobey 
of the law that the people had been given, there were terrible consequences for disobedience. And it's like, when you read through them, it's like the Lord included every terrible thing he could to dissuade his people from breaking his law. Have a look in chapter 28, verse 20 to 22. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation and rebuke and all that thou settest thine hand, a hand unto for to do until thou be destroyed and until thou perish quickly because of the wickedness of thy doings whereby thou hast forsaken me. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he hath consumed thee from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption and with a fever and with an inflammation and with an extreme burning and with the sword and with blasting and with mildew and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. Well, there you go. That's only a little bit. What's going to happen to you if you uh, disobey the law of God? Now, the law that these curses related to was the law that was written on the stones. God's curses and these nasty consequences would come upon those who would not confirm this law and who would not do this law. I can imagine standing there upon one of those mounts and this curse was given and uh, people not mumbling and not, not saying amen, not confirming it in their hearts. Uh, I mean, even though there might have been many who confirmed them with their lips but didn't confirm them in their hearts. Well, God made it very clear what was going to happen if you didn't obey these commands. Now, some of the consequences of disobeying these commands, God's commands, some of the consequences would flow out of others. This would happen and this would happen because of it and this would happen because of it. And we see uh, some of that in... A few verses. Have a look in verse 41. Verse 41. One of the consequences of disobedience. Thou shalt beget sons and daughters, but thou shalt not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. Wow. Hadn't even got into the land yet, and they're talking about captivity. Have a look in verse 49. The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from afar, from the end of the earth, a swift as the eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand. One of the consequences of disobeying God's law was that they will be invaded by a foreign power. Have a look in verse 52. And he shall besiege thee in all thy gates until thy high and fenced walls come down, wherein thou trustest throughout all thy land. And he shall besiege thee in all thy gates throughout all thy land, which the Lord thy God hath Given thee, that even though they might build walls around, that's what they mean by fences, build walls around their cities and their villages, uh, when this uh, these invasion would take place, uh, the invading enemy would be able to would besiege these uh, uh, walls and bring them down. Have a look in verses 62 to verse 64. We read, "And ye shall be left few in number, whereas ye were as the." Stars of heaven for multitude, because thou wouldest not obey the voice of the Lord thy God. And it shall come to pass that as the Lord rejoiced over you to do good and to multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to naught. And ye shall be plucked from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. And the Lord shall scatter thee among the people from one end of earth even unto the other. 
And there thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou, uh, which, which neither thou, thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. And so what we read here as a consequence of their uh, potential rebellion, uh, this invading force would come, their cities would be besieged and their walls destroyed and the nation would be in decline and, and numbers of people who, Israelites, and, and they would be scattered among the nations. And there, there would eventually be national disaster and almost national annihilation. This was one of the consequences of ignoring these curses, Moses said. And we know now from history that this has all happened to Israel more than once since then. It's almost prophetic what he's saying here. If you disobey, these things are going to happen. And friends, way, way many years later, we know that they have. It is prophetic. So the Lord made it clear in the curses the danger and folly of disobeying his law. And this reminded me when I read this of how parents can, can paint the worst scenario of, uh, for disobeying uh, their uh, uh, commands. <coughs> I mean, we, we like to warn our children because we don't want them to do certain things. Uh, we, we say to our children, if, 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 you know, if you listen to strangers, terrible things will happen. Um, they might take you away and they might do terrible things to you and we might never see you again. So don't talk to strangers. We try to scare them off talking to strangers. Or we might say, uh, now if you smoke cigarettes, I mean, you're going to get a smack. But not only that, you could get lung cancer and your tongue could fall out. Don't smoke cigarettes. We try to <laughs> warn them uh, to keep away from these sins. We give them warnings if they disobey or go after wrong things to try to scare them <laughs> into doing the right thing. I got that feeling about what God was trying to do here. 16 curses, six blessings. God's trying to warn them against disobeying him and all the terrible consequences that will come. But the Lord didn't just want them to have the negative message when they stood together at Mount Ebal and Mount Chorazim. Yes, disobedience would bring curses, but on the other hand, obedience would bring blessing. Have a look in chapter 28, verses 1 and 2. 28, verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass, <coughs> and it shall come to pass, this is Moses telling the people, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, all these blessings shall come in thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. And so he goes on <coughs> to share the blessings that were supposed to be shared when they got together at Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And there are six general blessings <coughs> and the consequences of obedience. Have a look in chapter 28 verse 7. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. <coughs> they shall come out against thee one in one way and flee before thee seven ways. Have a look at verse 11. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, in the fruit of thy body and in the fruit of thy cattle, in the fruit of thy ground, and in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in season and to bless all the work of thine hand. 
and thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. These are some of the blessings that would come if they obeyed God's word, God's law. So Moses made it clear that now they were the people of God. They were to live lives worthy of that privilege. And that's the same for us, isn't it? We are the people of God and we are to live lives that are worthy of that privilege. And for them, that meant keeping the law. That meant keeping the law that had been delivered to them by Moses. And if they did keep the law, they would reap the reward. And this is something that we must also keep in mind. Yes, there are things we must avoid if we are to please God. And there are consequences if we disobey him. <clears throat> um, and when, when those, God warns us away from those things because that's what brings him glory and we keep away from them. And it's also for our own good to keep away from them. This is the negative side of being a Christian. But the positive side is that living God's way is the best life we can live. Uh, it's the best life we can live on planet Earth, to live God's way. It's full of the blessings of God. God promised to, promises to bless those who obey and who live for him. And in that way, we, we not only miss out on the curses, that's a blessing, <laughs> we also get the blessings by obeying his word. So, the blessings and the cursings were some of the final instructions Moses gave to the people just before they entered Canaan. When they went into the land, they were to go up to Mount Ebal, Mount Gorizim. They were to put those uh, stones, great stones down there. They were to share the blessings and the cursing. And I think these words were <coughs> full of hope for following the Lord. Follow the Lord, you, the Lord will bless you. And they're full of warning if they didn't. Now, it's not the end of the message, sorry. I want you now to go to Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30. Knowing all that, and I only summarised. Now, as I read verses 1 to 3, you work out in your mind how this sounds. <coughs> and it shall come to pass, Moses said, when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among the, all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children with all thine heart and with all thy soul, that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee, and will return and gather thee from all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath Scattered thee. Now, to me, that sounds like it's going to happen. Moses writes that about the dispersion, about the being in other dispersed or scattered into other nations, and about the return, as if it's going to happen. Have a look in chapter 31, verse 28 and 29, because he was a prophet. And when I read 30, uh, when I read Deuteronomy 31, verse 28, and 29, I wrote in my notes, it's the burden of, of foreknowledge. God foreknows what's going to happen, but he still has to tell us what to do or, or what not to do. You see, 
right here he says in verse 28, Gather unto me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to record against them. He says, after telling them what they were to do when they went into the land, when he told them that they were, that they were to set up the great stones and plaster them, put on the, the words of the law and, and to get, gather around Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, this is what they were to do when they were in the land, the blessings and the cursings, but after having a, told, him, told them all about that, he gathered together the elders of all the tribes and the officers. And this is what he said to them. Verse 29, for I know that after my death you will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you. An evil will befall you in the latter days because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger for the work of your hands. Moses knew despite all that he'd been sharing with them right through the book of Deuteronomy. And right here at the end when he shares cursing after cursing and consequence after consequence of disobeying God and then sharing all the blessings that they would receive by obeying him, he gets the elders together and he says, look, I know. And when I'm gone, you're going to utterly corrupt yourselves. It's the burden of foreknowledge. So knowing what was going to happen? Think about it. Why did God bother with the warnings? Why bother with the great stones and their trip to Mount Ebal? Why bother if they're going to utterly corrupt themselves anyway? Well, I can think of a few reasons why God bothered to go through all of that, knowing what was going to happen. The first reason is, it's so that no one could ever say that God to God, well, we didn't know. We didn't know. You didn't tell us what we had to do. You didn't tell us uh, the consequences of our actions. No one will be able to say on the other side of Jordan, no other generation will be able to say we didn't know because it was all there. They just do a little trip down to Mount Ebal. They'll be able to see the inscriptions there on those tables. And so that's the first reason I think God bothered with all of this so that no one could accuse him of not telling them. The second reason <coughs> was so that individuals could choose to do right. Even if the nation went bad, if, if there were certain individuals who could read uh, that, that law and, and, and understand God's word and they could individually choose to follow the Lord. You know, there would always be a remnant when the nation went sour and Elijah a Jeremiah, a Daniel and the like who would choose the way of blessing and so God showed them, warned them on an individual level, even if the whole nation goes into apostasy and the whole nation has to be destroyed and scattered and God has to start again, there would be individuals who would choose the way of life. God had to give them the opportunity. Now there's a third reason why God bothered and I'll Share that in my next message, so I won't tell you now. But in all these warnings, I think we, I believe we see the heart of God for souls. Here's some familiar verses. Have a look in <coughs> chapter 30, verses 11 to 14. Which part of the Bible quotes these three verses? Romans, thir uh, I just told you. Uh, Deuteronomy 30, <laughs> 
verses 11 to 14. For this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. Moses talking to the people. It is not in heaven that thou should say, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. Now you probably guessed Romans chapter 10, surely. Paul quotes this particular passage when he's talking about Jesus as the Messiah. He said, you don't have to go up into heaven to find the Messiah. You don't have to go across the oceans to find the Messiah. He is there in your mouths and in your hearts. These were Jewish people that Paul was writing Romans 10 too. They, they, they knew the word of God. He was the Messiah and they'd been reading about him and learning about him all their lives. Moses told the Israelites that they didn't have to go up to heaven or hunt, go on a hunt over the oceans to find what God wanted them to do. And that's because he was right there. He was right there in the law. It was right there in the law that he had delivered to them over the last 40 years, and it was there, going to be there on those great stones, and it was going to be there and spoken loudly. Mount Ebal and Mount Gerais. They didn't have to go on some quest far away. It was right there in front of them. They had no excuse for not obeying. Have a look in verse 15c. I've set before thee this day life and good, death and evil, in, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. I've set before you all that you need to know to live and to avoid death. And having said all this, and knowing that he personally was just about ready to go, he wouldn't be with the people anymore. Moses gave a heartfelt appeal. It's right here at the end of this chapter, verses 19 and 20. Just imagine Moses uh, saying this. He may have even had a tear in his eye. I don't know. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is life. And the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Choose life. Now, when I read a passage like this, I am glad that I'm not a Calvinist. Think about it. If I was a Calvinist, then I would have to conclude that this is some sort of divine tragedy written by God to entertain the angels. Here is God's servant pleading with the people to choose, knowing that they can't do that because they don't have a free will. It would seem insincere, even cruel, that God would plead with these people to choose if they weren't able to, and knowing that, that only those he would give the faith to would be able to. To believe, it would be like urging a man to walk who didn't have legs. It would be cruel and insincere. Choose to walk. The man hasn't got any legs. Choose life. The man doesn't have a free will. But praise God, I'm not a Calvinist. 
and neither is God. And it's clear from God's word that we all do have a free will. The last appeal of the Bible, right there in the end of back of the book of Revelation, whosoever come, whosoever will, chooses, may come. It's clear from God's word that we all do have a free will and hence we all have the ability to choose life. <laughs> we all have the ability to believe or not to believe in Christ. So if some don't choose life, if some ch don't believe in Christ, it's not God's fault, it's their fault. This appeal Moses made to the people is really one that God makes to every soul of every generation. But this, this is a special application for us who know the Bible. We have heard God's word. You've heard it tonight. The blessings of following him. The cursings of disobeying him. That the life that we can have and the death that we can avoid. We've all heard God's word and we all have it written down for us in the Bible. We don't have to seek a guru on some mountaintop or go on a quest over the seas. God has set before us in his word life and death, blessing and cursing. We have no excuse about what God wants us to do and how he wants us to live. And it's really all found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's really him that is pleading with each of us tonight. He's pleading with us, the Lord Jesus, to choose life. Choose life. Choose life that we might avoid the curses and experience the blessing. It's like he is appealing to all of us to choose life, knowing what we know from God's word. The great evangelist D.L. Meadey told a godly mother, told about a godly mother he knew. She had only one son and Unfortunately, he was heading the wrong way in life. On one particular night, she knew it would, be, it would be especially bad for him if he went out with his unsaved friends. And so she pleaded with him, don't go, son, don't go. But he wouldn't listen to his mother. So she, she lay in the doorway of the house uh, to try to block his way. But that wasn't enough. He just stepped over her and went into the night and into a world full of sin. She pleaded with him, choose life, choose Christ. But he wouldn't. Like Moses, she pleaded with his son to choose life, to choose God's way, but he wouldn't. Now, I don't know everyone's heart here tonight. I don't know your heart, but maybe you're in that place where you have to choose. You might come to church, you might, people might think that you're like everybody else, but in your heart of hearts, you know that you're not truly a Christian. You're not truly saved. You don't know for sure that you have eternal life. Well, you don't have to look further to find life than in God's word. You don't have to look further than in God's son, the Lord Jesus. Maybe there's a godly mother or perhaps a, a spouse or a friend or a, a brother. And they've been urging you to come to Christ. To, to change your ways and to, even if you are saved and you've been going down the wrong path and your mom or your dad or your brothers or sisters 